What's up, Jay Bros? Live from Brooklyn, New York, and Toronto, Ontario, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know we're alive. <laughs> John! <laughs> Bro, I think they know you're alive. You're speaking right now. Are you a zombie? This isn't the Halloween episode yet. Oh, John! <laughs> John, say something. Let the people know we're alive. <laughs> I did it again. John, <laughs> say something. Let the people... <laughs> John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. This has been a killer two weeks of wrestling. The Forbidden Door is open... I just killed probably the biggest house centipede I have ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> and I'm feeling good. Great week of wrestling. We had the G1. We had Bloodsport. We had John killing the house centipede. <laughs> and I, normally Absolutely I let bugs normally I let bugs live, but uh, <laughs> this bug had to die. I was painting across the room. And this like literally just happened before this. Uh, normally and- I let bugs live, but this <laughs> bug was. No normal bug. Dude, it, I was painting and the room was silent because I was wrapping up before we hopped on here. And I heard across the room a like a... And I was like, oh, that's weird. A paintbrush fell off the table or something. And I looked over and this like the hugest New York City house centipede, like, ja- <laughs> like the centipede from James and the Giant Peach started crawling. Did he have like, did he have like a hundred cigarettes <laughs> in each of his... He's like, hey, John, I'm here. I'm the centipede. Yes. I've been living here for 200 years. You're my <laughs> tenant now, John. Well, now he's dead. So, But how, yeah, oh. how centipedes got to go? They're too, they're gross, bro. Um, yeah, man, that's entirely too many feet. Anyways, the Forbidden Door has certainly been <laughs> opened. It's a jar. There's no doubt it's a jar. There has been active mentions of NJPW on AEW, Tanahashi, Made an appearance in the Chris Jericho tribute video for his 30th anniversary of wrestling. Um, Gato was mentioned on commentary. Like that. Absolutely insane. And footage from Mox and Archer. Right. And the G1. New Japan mentioned during that feud now too. Like that, that is one of my favorite things that is happening in AEW is just that the world outside of WWE actually exists. And it isn't these like sort of standardized, like, AJ Styles spent a lot of time in Japan and really established himself there, but he's here now and yeah. he's so excited to be in the WWE universe. It's like John Moxley's at Bloodsport and Lance Archer and him fought in New Japan and those things are able to be said on commentary. We were talking about this last night, but like it was just so wild to see John Moxley, AW World Champion, headlining a different pay per view while he's the champion of that, also the US. NGPW champion, but like just Tony Khan is just so cool to like let his like. Can you imagine Vince McMahon letting like Roman Reigns headline an indie <laughs> pay per view while he was champion? Yeah, that's since like Roman Reigns comes in and fights RSP on GCW <laughs> The World Three. <laughs> yeah, it's like impossible to conceive. Well, and it's like it's it's cool really uh, it's it's cool that he's actually treating the wrestlers like independent contractors. Like right. AEW has to be their priority, but. As long as they fulfill their priorities to AEW, they pretty much can go do what they want to do, it seems like, which... Just so wild that it's like, because it's, you know, kind of a shoot fight, 
Bloodsport is like a Pancrase style shoot MMA slash wrestling style event. It's hard to say how much of it has worked. I'm sure the endings are worked. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of it is just kind of shoot fighting. So to, to ima- imagine letting your wrestler possibly hurt himself in a match with no ropes doing MMA, like it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty wild to see. It's very cool. And yeah, just, I feel like the, the New Japan AEW partnership is absolutely looming. I don't know, like, in my opinion, I feel like I would love, I would love for there to be like singular feuds, sort of like what they're doing with uh, the open challenge and Cody. Like maybe that's why Cody, if Cody keeps the belt this week, uh, when he faces Orange Cassidy, maybe he'll hit an open challenge again. And, and I want to talk about this too. We need to talk about who we'd like to see in the TNT open challenge, who we'd like to see fighting in maybe like the G one or something next year. Yeah. Who, 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 who would you pick for that? I feel like best of the super junior is the most clear cut. Like, Oh, I could see those five guys going like Darby, Ricky Starks. Can you th- like, and thinking of like GCW two, who, who would you, who would be the top person for you personally that you'd want to see come in to, to challenge Cody for the TNT title? Yeah. Cause it's been, it's been a, a, a one way road with between AEW and NJPW for for a while. Obviously, Chris Jericho went there, fought Tanahashi. John Moxley went there as the U.S. champion, but there hasn't been much on the other side. So, okay, we're talking about the Cody's TNT. Yeah, because I think there are some. There are obviously some like obvious stories that will happen eventually mm-hmm. if this partnership comes to fruition. Like Tanahashi v Jericho, Okada yeah. v Omega, Omega v Ibushi. Those are things I feel like everyone is anticipating. But the TNT title, I think, is interesting because if you do have someone come in from New Japan, who who do you give it to? The first person that jumped in my head, it's not necessarily the one that I'm most excited about, but the first name that jumped in my head was Juice Robinson. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that w- I well I and I don't think it's the most exciting either and not necess- and not really the best representation of of New Japan like pure yeah. New Japan but not at all. Juice would be a good TV champion but since he's already like a western wrestler I feel like it should be someone It's not as exciting, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, like Okay. Give me yours then and then I don't I don't know, I don't know. I don't have one. That's why I asked you. I don't I I have been thinking about it and it it would make sense to give it to someone like a Tanahashi and then have Jericho chase after the TNT belt. Oh, interesting. Oh, actually drop On TV. the title. Yeah, drop the Tanahashi. title to Tanahashi. Oh, Tanahashi wow. stays here for like two months or something. And, you know, we get to see Tanahashi versus all everyone in AEW right now. Like Tanahashi versus Eddie cool. Kingston. That is a match. Yeah. Who would have ever even thought that that match could be possible? <laughs> or like, dude, Ta- no Tanahashi way. versus Pentagon. Oh, man. He, he, as much as I want to see like Okada, Omega, Ibushi, Omega, I think Tanahashi would be such a good representation of New Japan on AEW TV. He looks cool and his whole, all of his moves and sort of. I don't know what he what the how hard he's still able to go. I feel like that 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 he's the one that I would want to see most uh outside what of if, like established champions right now like Naito uh yeah. of course. Well, what when I'm thinking about someone fighting Cody, I don't necessarily think of like the main eventer. Right, yeah. Well, and that's um, the other thing that I think is interesting like 
So that's why I'm thinking of maybe like the New Japan middle card. Um, but when I think about it, who would I like to see in a personality clash, like standing across the ring of Cody, like Cody's sort of like dark and JPW mirror. Yeah. Uh, it would be Kota Ibushi. Yeah, that would be incredible. And I'm sure that that is another person who's going to be one of the first to make the jump from, well, not from New Japan. Open the crack, open the door. I almost said jump in the time machine. Uh, you and Thomas were calling it like the Forbidden Portal, like it was like a Mortal Kombat two level. Forbidden Portal is what it was called on in <laughs> in store in storyline. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. you, yeah. It, it okay. was. Uh, I, I think it was in the. <laughs> it was. I think originally in a Tanahashi interview where he said, "I'm opening up the Forbidden Portal and challenging Chris That's Jericho awesome. for the AEW World Title." Uh, uh, okay. I get a title shot if I beat you in at right. Wrestle Kingdom, right. Right. and right. then right. Jericho. That was like translated on, and the internet kind of like parsed it out and realized that was being said. And then Jericho did a promo saying Tony Khan approves this challenge uh, in the lead up to Wrestle Kingdom. It was a really sick build that added a lot to that match because there were points where I was like, I think Tanahashi might be winning this, and this is going to signify the sort of start to some of the new Japan people popping up. That's the way that I hope it kind of, uh, right. Kind of goes like AEW exists as its own thing. New Japan exists as its own thing. And then they trade off like new Japan needs tag teams. And it would be cool to send some of the tag teams that aren't being used. To oh new my Japan. God. Oh my God. Like I wouldn't want to see them go, but can you imagine Lucha bros back in tearing new down Japan? the house in new Japan? Oh my God. That would be, be insane. Amazing. Or like private is... party, like someone that you wouldn't necessarily think of in uh, New Japan. Like private party right. versus Rapungi 3K would be such a sick match. True. That's awesome. For best of the Super Juniors, the first name that popped to my head was Orange Cassidy because he actually oh. put it in his, like he made a tweet about it. He was like, when are the best of the Super Juniors? He so did? Like, it seemed, yeah. Wow. So it's... it seems like he's trying to enter himself. Um, as far as... You had asked here who should be a young lion. Yeah, is there I anyone thought, that you think that should get sent over to uh, sort of rebuild themselves? Here's my like choice. Juice? Here's my choice is Jungle Boy. Oh, that's cool. Dude, Jungle you, Boy versus all of the young lions right now? Those matches would be crazy. Jungle Boy versus you, yeah. Jungle Boy versus Gabriel Kidd. I think those would be awesome. And to see Jungle Boy come back kind of no longer as like the underdog, but as like a guy who was like dominating in Japan and stuff, that would be fucking killer. Yeah. Also conversely, jungle boy in the best of the super juniors would be pretty sick too, dude. Jungle boy versus totally. Ishimori. That match, totally. the matchups that can happen now or that will happen eventually are completely insane. Yeah. We should definitely at some point book our fantasy. Like, super, super card. card. Yeah. yeah. That maybe let's, that uh let's uh collab that for the next show speaking of booking our fantasies right now happening in wwe is the wwe draft <laughs> and for no apparent reason we have decided here at torture act to run our own wwe draft so myself and john will be serving as gms of, of our, our own, own promotions of our own brands John, have you thought about what you want your brand to be called? I have. What show? I do. I have, I've running? known since the beginning, kind of, and I was hoping... Wow. I was happy when you All said right. that you wanted Sunday Night Heat. 
Okay. Uh, I don't know if you still do, but I don't. You don't? Okay. What well, do you I, want? Bible? I would like my my weekly show to be called Warzone. Nice. What night? Monday. Monday Warzone. Yeah, because yeah. Sec- last hour of Monday Night Raw, Attitude Era, and that name is sick. I think it's my favorite name of a a TV show. That's awesome. Uh, I actually was going to take Raw's War and go back to Raw's War, but because you have Warzone, I will not do that. I was thinking about Tuesday Night Titans, but that is probably two eighties. So I'm going to take Saturday Night Main Event. You know what would have been? What I wish I would have done as the kind of a prank, but this was it was too fun to like kind of actually pit, build a diverse roster of different wrestlers i wanted is i should we should have one of us should have done the the internet joke 305 live and only drafted hosses <laughs> <laughs> oh actually i'm gonna take shotgun saturday night because that seems like it could compete with uh dynamite monday night war zone monday night war zone and shotgun saturday night hell yeah all right so wait I've how decided- are we going to determine who gets to pick first yes that's, I'm so glad that you asked. So <laughs> uh, basically we are going to uh, switch every round who goes first. But for the first, I either have a picture that I'm looking at right now, John, of Shingo Takagi or Tomohiro Ishii. How can we confirm this though? You got to have to trust me, John. There's a little bit of honor system going on here. Who do I have? Am I looking I at I don't Shingo? have the chat up right now. Our G chat, yep. send it to the G chat, whoever it is. Oh my god! Wait a minute, don't send it. Wait a minute, yeah, send it, and I don't have it up. I'm guessing it's. I love how John, like we've been doing this for like <laughs> this is our 17th episode, and John just does not trust me at this point. I actually don't. And how a... am I going to trust that you're not looking at the G chat? That's a good point. I actually thought earlier that we you know what? Asked... I'll do it. I'll because I I'm a trusting person, and I don't need these. We assurances. we should have asked Thomas to pick a number from one to a hundred. Right. Yeah, we probably should. I'm from 1 to 100, <laughs> and whoever's closer. Without going over. What the? F- is this Price is Right rules? Yeah. I'm $1 guessing... dollar, Bob! We, <laughs> we've spent like two minutes on who's get who it's going to be. I'm guessing it was Shingo. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. You don't want me to do the sentence? You don't have to send it. I'm guessing it was Shingo. Well, it was Tomo, so I go first. Fuck. <laughs> I was about to send it to the G-chat, too. All right. So I get the first draft pick. I have a list of my priorities here. So we're going to go here. I'm not going to break your heart. And I'm going to draft the phenomenal AJ Styles to shotgun Saturday night. This whole thing, I would have probably not wanted to do this if I didn't get my first pick, Alistair Black. So I I would probably I thought about how I wasn't even going to take Alistair Black even if I had first pick. (laughs) If you had the opportunity. Yeah, because I knew it would break your heart. I felt the same way about AJ Styles. I have him on my list because he has to be on my list of people that I would want to draft. But I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I got to let Mark have AJ Styles. All right. Who's your second first... pick? <sighs> Who's it going to be, bro? I don't know if I want to hurt your feelings here or not. You might. You're gonna have, we're going to hurt each other's feelings at some point, I think. Although I feel you... like I want to. All right. I'm not going do... to hurt your feelings. I'm going to use my first NXT call-up. And I'm going to call back up to the main roster. The Prince, Finn Balor. Wow. All right. Well, that, I wonder who you thought, who did you think you were going to break my heart by picking? Maybe you shouldn't say, you shouldn't say actually, because then. I just did. 
Rhea Ripley is my second pick. So, dude, you have the original OG Bullet. Well, two of the OG Bullet Club leaders in your. Don't think that I don't know that, John. I wonder if that's where you're going with this. <laughs> All right. For my third pick, I am going to take. And by the way, it doesn't matter champions. We're, we'll decide our own champions and stuff. So it's not yeah. Like we're belts, are, belts are off. Yeah. Belts are off. Yeah. I'm going to take Asuka as my third pick. My third pick is Pete Dunne. Oh, your first NXT call up. Damn. He was pretty high on my list. Okay. Well, then I'm going to use my second NXT call up to call up Valter. Oh, dude. That was my number six pick. I had him higher, baby. Do we? Are we doing this in rounds of four? Four? Are we doing four? Five. Four rounds of f- five rounds of four? Or uh, no, four we're picking f- five. Four rounds of five. Okay. Yeah. My fourth pick is someone that you have to bask in. Ah! God damn it! <laughs> Keith Lee, my friend. Fuck. It's a pretty strong roster: Alistair Black, Rhea Ripley, Pete Dunne, Keith Lee. Well, I don't think AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Asuka, and Walter is much of a slouch either. Who wins All in that right. Survivor Series match? Uh, between the four of them? <laughs> oh, you four on four? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't say yet. Um, All right. For my next pick, and the final pick of this round, I'm going to take for my women's roster, Bianca Belair. Oh, dude, that's a good pick. Thank you. Pick number five, Bianca Belair. Who do you have going to Monday Night Warzone, John? My number five pick, man, it could go. I could go with any of these people, and I would be I stoked. I don't think this one person is very high up on your list, so I'm going to save them. That's very smart. But I think, and I'm annoyed by one of these people, so I don't know if I want to pick them right now. So I think. So are <laughs> are we able to pick a val like a person and their valet? Is the valet also a wrestler? Yes. Uh, I'll allow it. You taking Andrade and Selena Vega? I was thinking about it, and you've got you're you like know all of my picks probably actually. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I think so. I because they're my picks too. Yes, that's who I'm taking. Fuck. All right, round one of the draft is complete on Shotgun Saturday Night. We have. The phenomenal AJ Styles, the Prince Finn Balor, Asuka, Valter, and Bianca Belair. Are we going to run through these each time? Monday Night Warzone, we have Alistair Black, Rhea Ripley, Pete Dunne, Keith Lee, Andrade, and Zelina Vega. Beautiful. Nailed it on the first take. Dude, you ready to talk about Bloodsport now? GCW Presents. I'm so psyched that we watched this pay-per-view. I'm bummed that we didn't get to watch more of the collective pay-per-views because all of them looked good. And we have plans to watch FG's Big Gay Brunch later this month. Yes, but, uh, we, we had to make some choices uh, this week. It's just been a busy week. Obviously, all the G1, John's doing all of his cutouts for uh, for his installation that's coming up in his residency that we're really psyched for. The Haunted Francis what is it? Haunted Francis Storybooks Village. Opening Storybook October Village. 19th. America's newest roadside attraction. And we cannot wait. Um, so yeah, we, we yeah. originally had planned to watch a lot of them. I personally, when they announced all of these like a month and a half ago, not thinking like this is in the dead center, like of the final push for me to finish all this stuff, was thinking I would just buy the package and watch like all of them. But uh, yeah, that didn't happen. We only watched Bloodsport. 
but Bloodsport was excellent from top Bloodsport to bottom. Was awesome. I had no idea it was actually going to be like a Pancrase style MMA sort of shoot fights. Um, like you were excited. Thought about it for a second. It was just going to be professional wrestling. Totally. But if I thought about it for a second, it makes perfect sense. It's called Bloodsport. I could. I mean, GCW often though has like wild and sort of like tough names. So I think it makes sense that your presumption was that it was just going to be another fun GCW show, like Bring Him Out or The Block Is Hot, whatever. Um, But yeah, it. it, I. I think. I don't I don't have all of our match ratings. Mark is the keeper of those things, but I think this is my personally highest rated like event from top to bottom since we started this podcast. Yeah, I, I don't remember giving only out so one many match A's. you didn't give like an A out. Actually, I just love opener and, yeah. I just love this style of like shoot fighting slash wrestling. Like I MMA is not something I've ever been super into. Like I've watched it here and there, but I love MMA mixed with like wrestling moves. Uh, it's yeah, totally. it's, it's interesting to see and just the different uh, things that opens up. Um, and right from the opener, Simon Grimm versus Matt Makowski really enjoyed that match. I'd never seen Simon Grimm without a mustache. I literally had to Google. I was like, I did too. That yeah. can't be the guy from the Vaude Villains. That can't be that Simon Grimm. And it's like, obviously there is only one Simon Grimm wrestler, but yeah, it took me a while to recognize him without his uh, characteristic twirly mustache it didn't register to me really until like halfway through the match and i was like that's he keeps saying simon grimm is that the simon grimm that is of the vaude villains (laughs) that that we all know shoots on enzo and it is (laughs) and he looks much different and he that was a really really great opener uh yeah i know that this is the point and i'm always getting worked but it's there seemed to be a moment where matt like took him down with a huge forearm punch to the chest where like Grimm looked like pissed off. Oh like, he was, yeah. Like, on the, on the ground, just like, I'm going to fucking kill you, bud. I think uh, that's, that that's what makes this interesting though, is you actually, it obscures it even further. Like with strong yeah. style wrestling in new Japan, you can kind of tell when like Suzuki and Ishii are hitting each other, you know, when they're, they're hitting each other and when they're doing like a worked hit. I felt yeah. like throughout this pay-per-view, it was a little harder to tell what was and wasn't kind of planned or, you know, maybe not planned. Uh, totally. That spot which, specifically which it, made me think of that. Makes it really interesting because I remember there was one moment uh, where someone hit like a really dirty, uh, like, German suplex mm-hmm. and like ended the match. And it's funny to see these... Moves that are always transitional moves, but being used as finishers. Yes. Yeah. But it makes sense when it seems more realistic, when there's like real punches being hit. Someone hits someone with like a huge liger bomb and they're out. Like they're done. Whereas in a, in a normal match, that might not be the finish. Yeah, the um, Davy Boy Smith match. It was, uh, yes. he, he, they, they scrambled a little bit, had some back and forth. Davy Boy Smith hit that sharpshooter. And then, like, a few moments later, he hit the liger bomb and the match was over. I think that's what I like about it. It's There are these, like, brief, maybe five to eight-minute scuffles where yeah. there's chain wrestling and a couple, re- like, actual like wrestling moves, like a German yeah. suplex. Yeah, uh, totally. Some, like, catches catch can and some really, like, brutal, like, forearms. Uh, man. Dude. The second what match, was your favorite match. Oh, sorry, I, go ahead. I was gonna say the second match. I absolutely loved. I I was really 
really into Killer Kelly versus Allison K. I, I totally was familiar just by name uh, with Killer Kelly, but have never never seen any any, any of the female wrestlers in this. No, in, in a match. Allison K, Killer Kelly, Lindsay Snow, and Hirsch. I had never seen any of these people, and they had like a mini four woman tournament. Yeah, it was really, in the middle of it. Really cool. I personally would have liked to see Killer Kelly win and go on to win it all. Like, it was cool. Uh, commentary mentioned that Allison K was the hometown fighter. So the crowd was on her side from for the first yeah. half of it. But then oh, throughout the match, Killer Kelly won. Uh, won the crowd over. Won the crowd over, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, Allison K versus Killer Kelly was some very stiff hits. Uh, some really brutal. And, I mean, the whole night was pretty brutal. But this, I remember this one being particularly... Uh, a really intense match. Yeah, excellent intensity from Killer Kelly. Uh, and yeah, yeah, would have liked to see her win. Get that Dude, also Calvin Tankman being in a match in this, I was like, forget it. Who's going to put this? <laughs> you can't really pick him up. How do you, what do you even do with, the, how, like, how do you move that person around, like, in a chain wrestling way? But Yeah, he's uh, built like a brick shithouse. Yeah, Alexander James did a good job managing him and sort of trying to get offense in um did you have a favorite match outside of the main event um i would say i really enjoyed uh davy boy smith versus josh alexander like that one was awesome and also eric hammer versus cal jack yeah oh dude yes there was i i kind of zoned out during the com on the commentary on that but one of them like trained with enoki or fought in enoki's promotion or something like that it was mentioned right yeah i missed that too there was a couple one of them had insane accolades i but i i during commentary commentary i will say for someone just doing single person commentary he did an excellent job of that's got to be one of the hardest things to do is single person commentary. Yeah, no, no Having one to, to fill all the space. And he was, yeah, it was good. Like he would call something and like say someone was doing something and that's what they were thinking and they would converse that. But then he would like call himself on, like, oh, I guess I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, <laughs> he, he he did that. Whoever that, I don't know who the commentator was, but they did an excellent job of calling the action and making you like care about who you were watching. Um, yeah, and one other person that I obviously have heard of, I feel like a lot of wrestling fans have at least heard of, is Filthy Tom Waller. That match was really great, too. Tom Waller versus yeah, Homicide. So cool to see Homicide in this. That felt a lot like a fight, which makes sense because of Homicide. And it, it felt yeah. the, maybe the most professional wrestling out of all of it as well, outside of yep. Moxley versus Dickinson. Um, yeah, both both those. that that Moxley versus Dickinson and, and Waller versus Homicide, both to me lean more into the wrestling aspect of this, which I thought was cool. And yeah, man, Mox versus Dickinson. Holy shit. That is one of the matches of the year for me. Definitely. Same. Like how, how does Moxley just keep putting on good, like sick match after sick match? It's insane. It's uh, across promotions, like from NJPW to AEW to GCW, uh, just kind of like, changing wrestling wherever he goes yeah it's like a uh, world champion it's wild to think of how much different he seems like going from dean ambrose who honestly like dean ambrose if we were doing a draft right now 
I don't think either of us would draft Dean Ambrose. Like, out of our 20 picks, right? Yeah. Like, Dean Ambrose, at the end of his WWE run, like, he was just so wasted. Uh, Any kind of cool of him was, was drained away with, like, you know, really stupid, like, him wearing the gas mask and stuff and getting the butt injections. And I don't know. Just trying to kind of turn his actual intensity into like you said about like Seth Rollins, like hot topic. Right. That's what it felt like. Yeah. 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 Around that time is like, is when I stopped watching weekly WWE as well. When Ambrose was coming out with that like legion of people. And I think sirens were going off. There was a lot of confusing things happening with him towards the end of his run in WWE. Yeah. But now he's just like, you know, arguably the best wrestler in the world. As far as like consistency and just like, draw and being able to carry a promotion just like doing like you know one of the best promos in the game constantly hyped to be wherever he is and just shows up to fight and i just love his attitude in in the promos like when he was like sitting at the bar he was like yeah you know what butcher like maybe you'll win you know he's like i have had a pretty good run like you could be the one to take it but he's like but you probably won't because i'm gonna fucking kill you like i just love his yeah i love his persona snake plissken as a professional wrestler. Yes, completely. Yes, absolutely. And I just rewatched Escape from New York as well. So, Dude, hell yeah. I've seen you watch Resident Prince of Darkness Dark. too, which I have never yeah. seen. I've, I've never seen that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like, it takes a little bit to build. Mm. Uh, it kind of is, it, it's kind of a, a mix of, of several of his, of his movies almost. Like it feels like a siege movie, like Assault on Precinct 13, but also like the siege is like from within, like in the thing. Sick, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty good. It's it's more slow moving than you sort of expect it to be, but by the last thirty minutes, it like gets pretty fucking wild. I have it. Um, I have a bookmark. I definitely want to watch it. I I don't know how I overlooked that. Like the screenshot that is on Letterboxd completely sold me on the, the movie. Totally. Uh, I I can't think of a John Carpenter movie that's not worth seeing that I've seen. I haven't watched Village of the Damned yet or The Ward. Um. But they're all worth seeing as far as I'm concerned. He's yeah. like one of the best horror Absolutely. genre directors ever. Dude, speaking of horror genre directors, not really. There's that's that's like the worst segue into Chris Dickinson. Chris <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of uh horror genre directors, Chris Dickinson has some sick new merch on MDK's uh brand. Uh That was a great transition. Was it? No. Cut that out. <laughs> but it dude. Anyways, Chris Dickinson has established himself as the person on the indies after that match. True. Like who apart from like apart from crowd favorites and our favorites like Effie, Nick Gage, mm-hmm. you know, who who could you think of that's on the indies right now that's like, "Oh, that's the guy." And he could like Chris Dickinson I was thinking about it and it's I mean, like he's the dirty daddy. Exactly. And can't you so clearly hear Justin Roberts saying he's the dirty daddy. Absolutely. Like, and he, also Taz, like on commentary, hey, it's the dirty daddy. Yeah. It's Chris Dickinson. <laughs> He'd probably try to get him to join Team Taz. I was just going to say, he, I can hear him talking about Dickinson the way he talks about the Butcher and the Blade. Yeah. Like, these, these are guys like, that These guys are body with. guys. <laughs> yeah. These guys you, you, you sip whey protein powder with. <laughs> Talk about traps and lats. Yeah, I hope he uh, comes to uh, to AW. Absolutely incredible uh, showing from Dickinson in that match. Moxley throwing him onto the cement outside was dude. insane. And there was a spot where I thought he was going to win. Like, a little bit towards the end where Dickinson starts getting the upper hand in that match. 
he's like pummeling Moxley, and it's like, oh, is Moxley gonna like? It'll be like, oh, this it's a it is a shoot fight, and Moxley yeah. passed out and lost. Like, I that's what I thought was honestly, gonna happen. I wasn't sure how how it was gonna work because it would be nice of Moxley to obviously to put over GCW and and the promotion and stuff and kind of like losing in their playground but then obviously he's john moxley he's a champ in several promotions like yeah he's a world no chance international champion there's no way he's losing who hasn't taken a loss in like a long time like why would he take a loss? wow that's a good point yeah he's undefeated since at least january yeah totally because that's when he won the belt from archer I can't think of, like, when he lost in AEW. I mean, I know it must have happened. Wow, dude, he's not lost because he didn't even lose the belt. He lost the belt because he didn't show up. He didn't lose the match, though. Has he been defeated in AEW? Since being John Moxley, has he been defeated? No, he's on. No, because the MJF-Mox match was uh, advertised as, like, an undefeated streak versus undefeated streak. Oh, shit. They both hadn't had a loss yet in AEW. Yeah. So John yeah, Moxley totally right. is completely undefeated He's as the undisputed, undefeated champion. That's insane. Goddamn, he's the guy right now, man. Dude, he's absolutely. The guy. So Dude, seeing the him. Sorry, no, go ahead. sorry. No. No. Okay. Uh, I was just gonna say, and like seeing him on the on the uh, PWI, like I have the magazine just like sitting on my coffee table in my living room, and just seeing him there, like you know, evoking Stone Cold, like, and I don't know, getting to have another wrestler like that in our lifetimes is pretty cool. And he's changing the game in a different way. Like Stone Cold changed the game, like because he made wrestling mainstream and popular and Moxley is changing the game in that he's making it possible for so many like promotion. He he is one. I feel like when we look back on wrestling right now, like him and Jericho are going to be probably the two most important people outside of the elite and you know what they've done. Absolutely. Jericho for going to New Japan and getting much more, many more American eyes on that product and spurning Vince McMahon. And then Dean Ambrose for, for, because Jericho, you wouldn't say he was wasted in WWE and that's why he left. It's just like he had done everything. So he can't what do was it. There he had nothing else to do. To do. Yeah. So it's just like he's going to, he, you know, he's going to go do something else. But Moxley, he is like at the peak of his career, underused he's the model for like leaving that sports entertainment and like carving your own path and doing it in such a way, like you said, where you're a true independent contractor, you can be world champion, but also fight for other promotions. Dude. Absolutely. Before we jump into AEW, though, it's time for round two of the inaugural torture rack WWE draft. Who, who had, did I have the last pick? So you'll have the first pick of this round. You had the first, uh, sorry, I had the first pick of, of, of the last round. So therefore, you will have the first pick of this round. Oh. Yeah. It's all you, big boy. We put a lot of pressure on me. Neither of us have drafted a tag team yet. Yeah, I realize that, but I don't I don't know. The WWE tag division is not very good. <laughs> and then, like, I almost to the point that I just want to book singles matches. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the tag teams. It'll probably be the last round. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh. There's not many to pick from, but I think that my next pick, I don't know how high up this person would be on your list, but I definitely want them on my roster. Io Shirai. Nice. Uh, was, was on my list, but was not uh, near the top. From uh, my next pick for shotgun Saturday night, I am going to draft the American dragon, 
Daniel. Oh. My singles roster is looking up. Dude, it really is. Um, you have a little bit of a more of an eye towards the future. And I'm like, I have like AJ and Finn and Daniel Bryan, like more established guys. True. I'm, I'm building a brand. Yeah. All right. My next pick. It's funny how, <laughs> like, there's no stakes. This doesn't matter at all, but it's no funny stakes. how important this feels. Uh, <laughs> like, I have to make the right decisions. You do. You will be fired. I know. <laughs> well, I know there's someone that I really want to be sure to get, but I also don't think this person's very high up on your roster either. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and pick this person, Timothy Thatcher. Nice. Not even on my list, but a, a really great pick. That that is your uh, that is your third and final NXT call up. What? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what? I didn't consider I that, but I made the pick, so I'm sticking with it. We don't have to stick. We don't have to stick to that rule. It's totally fine. All right, I, I'm going to draft my first tag team. I'm going to draft the current SmackDown tag team champions, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Ooh, Shotgun Saturday Night is definitely the old man's program. <laughs> There is someone that I want to draft, but I think I'm going to save him for you. So I will take Brock Lesnar. Oh, you took Brock. I'm going to put him in a crazy match on my pay-per-view. Holy shit. Nicely done. All right. For my burgeoning women's roster, I'm going to take Shayna Baszler. Ooh. Do we have two more picks this round? That's a great question. I am going to take Sasha Banks. Nice. That was my next pick. Was it? God damn it. Sorry, yeah. bro. No worries. That's what this that's what a draft's about, baby. Alright, in that case, if you got Sasha Banks, I'm gonna and you got Brock Lesnar, I'm gonna take the one the only Romulus Reigns. Roman oh, Reigns. He he's not even on my list, so you can have him. Thank you. That's my ninth pick. So there's two more picks for this round. It's interesting how small the roster feels, even though they have so many people signed. Like in terms of like actual people, like I'm genuinely a fan of. Yeah. uh, That are purely main roster wrestlers. I think it's because they it's 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 a Dean Ambrose situation. Like if Kevin Owens was on any other program, we'd be like Kevin Owens is the best. But because he's on WWE, he's being so underused, and we don't even think of him anymore. Yeah, what what is he even doing right now? Uh, I don't know. Feuding with Solid Snake, Alistair Black. <laughs> you know who I'm surprised is that you haven't... He has to be high up on your list. I don't want to take him, though, because I think you're going to really want him on your roster. Dude, you got to take who you want. I let you have Alistair and Rhea because I figured that was the price of admission of doing this. <laughs> That's very true, actually. Like, I think they're the only, though all the top, the po- top four people I picked are the people that I'm actually invested in in WWE. I'm, that's like, I, I, gotta watch. I should have like not drafted Walter because you probably weren't thinking of him. I should have drafted Keith Lee. I, Walter was my next pick after Keith Lee. So, Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Sure. Yeah. He was, he was high up. He was number six. Right. Who you got for number nine, John? For number 10? Number 10. Number nine. Nine? Do I have one more pick after this? Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh. All right. Well, I'll take Samoa Joe. 
Oh, <laughs> nice. Very nice. He has expressed interest in getting back in the ring as well. Yeah, not Samoa Joe the commentator. Samoa Joe the wrestler. I get it. Okay, so I was going to take Andrade and Angel Garza as my next tag team, but you broke up that team by taking Andrade and Zelina Vega, which I completely understand. It's a great pick. So I am going to use as my third and final NXT call-up the Undisputed Era of Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Yeah, I I forgot about the th- only three people from NXT rule that you established. So like everyone I have listed pretty much now, I have to like get <laughs> rid of. Like I was really excited to add Oni Larkin to my roster and I knew he would be dude, someone you wouldn't dude, pick. Aren't Timothy Thatcher and Oni Larkin a tag a tag team? No <laughs> no. Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. Unless that's uh, unless what you're talking about is a recent NXT development that I'm not aware no, of. No, no, no. You're correct. Uh, and we'll we have definitely take Oni and just go ahead, just draft whoever you want. Draft, we have one free uh, agent as well, right? That's true. But you know what? I'm just gonna say, just treat NXT like a third brand. I feel like we have to take whoever you want. It's all yours. Okay, then I, I'll take Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. Can I break nice. them up as singles wrestlers, or do they have yes. to be a tag team? Yes, you can. I definitely plan on breaking up Shinsuke and Cesaro for, for some matches at least. Dude, that's round two. Yes, it is. So, Shotgun Saturday Night looking pretty strong. AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Asuka, Valter, Bianca Belair, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, Shayna Baszler, Roman Reigns, and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, the Undisputed Era. Monday Night Warzone's coming in hot, bro. Alistair Black, Rhea Ripley, Pete Dunne, Keith Lee. Andrade and Zelina Vega, Io Shirai, Brock Lesnar, Timothy Thatcher, Samoa Joe, Oni, Oni Lorkin, and Danny Birch. I know you said the, the roster is thin, but like just those That's a sick. is an absolutely bananas. And we still have half the draft to go. I think thin when in consideration when you break it up like this. Like all of our fi- we have all of our favorites are pretty much the same. So Yeah, uh, true. Dude. AEW Dynamite, September 30th, 2020. Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen. Sort of hard to remember this match, to be honest, now that it was two weeks ago. I, <laughs> I also don't really remember it that well, but uh, it would be cool. I even wrote in my notes that for this match at this time that it would be cool to see both of them in the Super Junior division. And that is what I do remember from the match, is that it was uh, really good in terms of like high-flying, quick fast moves ricky starts is a great like a great signee to like to feud against darby allen and to like build up their like um cruiserweight division for lack of a better word um he's he's so awesome and someone like sort of like um eddie kingston that i i really didn't know anything about like a month ago right yeah i we neither of us had ever heard of him prior to his appearance in AEW. And that's actually one of the coolest things about AEW is like being able to, because a lot of the times when we get excited about wrestlers who are coming into like WWE, it's people who are on the indies and people were like, Oh my God, they signed this person. They signed AJ Styles or something. But like to see someone you didn't know at all get built up in front of your eyes, like jungle boy. Yeah, absolutely. There are all these wrestlers that if you're paying attention, maybe you'll know about. Like, we, we watch GCW, so we can kind of pick and choose who we know or who we think will get signed 
soon. Sure. Like yeah. Dickinson is someone that's definitely on the precipice of getting a huge contract somewhere. Effie is another person that I could imagine getting signed just as someone who's like a total package professional wrestler in terms of moveset, gimmick, promo. You know, they yeah, have it absolutely. all. But dude, I cannot recall Dynamite September 30th, 2020 <laughs> at all. But I can say that it had one of my favorite Dynamite matches of the whole year. It's like every two weeks, I have a new favorite Dynamite match. And I cannot believe we got to see the Butcher versus John Moxley. That was the match for everyone that is a regular listener of this podcast. That's the match that I said I hoped we would see prior to knowing who Mox would be fighting. And, and I was not expecting it at all. Like, cause just as like a, a tag team wrestler and not a particularly high up on the division tag team wrestler, even though they have been putting on absolute bangers with like FTR and the Bucks and the uh, Lucha Bros. But yeah, it was so cool to see Butcher as like a singles, single star and like as a huge hoss against John Moxley. Like what a cool matchup. Yeah. Super hard strikes. You have Kingston and Lucha Bros ringside taunting Mox and Butcher had the upper hand for most of that match. And then, like, there are these moments where Mox get Mox would uh, take him down. He like it basically the story that they told throughout the match. Mox is slightly smaller than Butcher, just in terms of the actual mass that he takes up in actual space. And it was cool seeing him sort of chop the Butcher down while also making the Butcher look. He just made him look so menacing and so strong. And oh my again, God, yeah. similar to the Dickinson match, like he 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 could have won. Even though, like, if you actually, like, pragmatically think about it, it's like this random tag division person is not going to win the title right now. But but that's a, that's a strong roster when you can pull someone from a lower tier tag team, put them up against Mox, and you're like, this guy could actually fucking beat Mox here. Yeah, absolutely. And Butcher is probably one of my, my personal favorite discoveries on the roster, and you... You were kind of perplexed as to why I graded the match so high, but <laughs> to what you said about why you grade something an A+, I personally will grade something an A+, if it's like, I more so think of it as like personal favorites versus maybe like totally. something, I agree with you completely that this is was not a classic, like for the books, AEW match that will be remembered in his, AEW's history, but... It is a person that I would not have thought would get a title shot, that I'm a huge fan of getting a title shot, and then completely delivering, sort of, and I've been thinking about it since you were perplexed by my grade, and I, I loved the match, <laughs> and then outside of that, like when I was younger, Al Snow was my favorite wrestler, even within all of the different people I could have been a fan of in WWE during the Attitude Era, Al Snow was, I, you know, I made signs for him when I went to... Uh, the shows in Cleveland, I would go, my mom took me and my little brother to a beauty salon to get a styrofoam head. So we had a head <laughs> to like shake around in the crowd. Um, he spoke to you when he was like, what does everybody want? Head. <laughs> you were like, yes, I want head. <laughs> and, and I had, mom brought you to that beauty salon. <laughs> right. And I was 12 and had head. no idea what the youth, I did not understand the euphemism at the time for sure. Like did not, it was completely lost on me, but to that end, Butcher fills a similar role in that, like, Butcher could be, if they had a hardcore title, which they kind of do with the FTW champion, but Butcher could, would be a sick FTW champion. Uh, totally. And, yeah, it, it's just really cool to see that. Like, the main event of a cable TV show 
features someone who is just a random tag wrestler slash punk musician that is now like ripping it up with John Moxley, international champion. AEW rules. You you know how I feel about it. These are my favorite uh, AEW um, main events. I think sometimes they shoot themselves in the foot just by booking stuff that is just too amazing. Like that could be pay-per-view matches that they're just kind of giving away, but it makes perfect sense because they're booking for like every three months of pay-per-view, not like every month or twice a month, like WWE. But for me, the best dynamite main events are something that you're like, I'm dying to see that. And that wouldn't make sense at all as a pay-per-view main event. Absolutely. Yes. It's and like a great chance for, for more undercard wrestlers to like fight you know and to shine like it yeah, seems totally. it makes and now butcher walks away and it seems more feasible that maybe butcher and blade would be tag champs if butcher can hang with moxley in the way he did. absolutely and, and yeah like like we said just builds up the roster around it speaking of hard-hitting classics the opening of the october 7th dynamite ftw title match will hobbs versus brian cage dude you had to love this... that match oh my god I love, you know, I, I love a, a good Haas <laughs> like, like the rest of the people. But these two guys are so wildly matched in their insane power, insane builds, but also insane agility. Like, they're both really fast. They were both hitting, like, standing shooting star presses in this match. Yeah. The, and these guys are, like, 300 pounds. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. the fact that they have that sort of ability to do... Super junior moves, basically moves that would never have been done by people their size thirty years ago. Yes, no, absolutely, and maybe like, not even like, yeah, even so, yeah, totally. It's like it's like if Hulk Hogan came out and started doing <laughs> yeah. shooting star, you'd be like, he drops legs. That's what he does. He doesn't yeah. do flips. Yeah, um, excellent. Yeah, just like hard hitting match. I love that they have built up uh, Team Taz. Like Taz is asking Will Hobbs to join. I, I hope he joins Team Taz, honestly. Yeah, personally, I was sad when Darby Allen came out to, like, defend him. Because I was like, I want Hobbs to, to join Team Taz. That's like, that'd be freaking awesome. But again, seeing someone like Will Hobbs, who I was absolutely not familiar with, who's, like, now basically in the main event scene. Like, ha- like hanging out with, like, Brian Cage. And, and like, was going to team with Moxley. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I just think that is the fucking coolest thing. And, again, they've done such a good job of taking to heart the uh, all-petite wrestling and just bringing in... <laughs> fucking monsters to this roster speaking of monsters uh i think this was possibly Brody lee's best performance uh in this dog collar match that we've seen from him since i agree since yeah. like man I, like just just speaking of things that we get to see on on tv like on a weekly basis but like last week to have john moxley versus the butcher and this week to have a dog collar match with Cody versus Brody Lee that, you know, this match could have easily main evented a pay-per-view. Yeah. And it was just like the top of the hour on dynamite. Yeah. Just right in the middle of the show. So fucking cool. I admit, I actually forgot what a dog collar match was. I didn't really know what it was going to be, but like seeing these two like separated by that huge chain that like obviously really heavy chain and what they were able to sort of do with it. Like, to chain the, I was gonna say chain moves together, uh, <laughs> but like Cody pulling Brody off of the apron and into a cutter. That spot was incredible. Yes, that was 
one of the best things I've seen all year. Yeah, that the utilization so of the chain throughout the match was excellent. I I would have liked to see Brody retain just because I like the uh, yes. Dark Order. Like I liked what it's done for Dark Order. I mean, I guess it succeeded. It it's done this what what uh, Evil turning on Naito. I was about to fan. compare it to it was a sort of a transitional champion to establish a group basically right. as, yes. as bigger than they were. Absolutely. And now Cody can do the open challenge, as we mentioned earlier on the this episode, and opens up the door for a lot of people. Like, maybe that's how Dickinson gets to AEW. He answers the open challenge and destroys Cody, but Cody wins somehow. Or Cody drops it to Orange Cassidy. What do you think is going to happen? Cody retains, and then Brody challenges him at the next pay-per-view. No, I, I, I don't think... I think that's just going to be a good match. If if they hotshot the title on two consecutive dynamites, I know you and Thomas were like making a case for it, and you're right. Like things like it means that anything could happen. Like in any, yeah, it just adds like the surprise sports element to it. Like not everything is a perfectly planned story. I do agree with you that title shouldn't change hands quickly, but I do think in some instances it's okay. I I, I for me, I think it was just because I was sad that Brody didn't get to hold the title longer because I thought he was just such a cool champion. Same. Even though I was sad when Cody's reign got cut short. Like, yeah. So I, I guess it's just, it's always a shame to see someone's momentum being taken away a little bit. But uh, I guess, though, that's like, we're trained to think that in WWE terms, at least. Like, that they don't have the title, so the momentum's gone. But who knows what spiral this will send Brody down because he's supposed to be... He was barely holding the Dark Order together, at least earlier on in the summertime, uh, where like they missed out on having Hangman Page being a part of their group, and you know it's like kind of a classically mismanaged office as a wrestling faction, and who know like I think that it could spiral Brody to a deeper, darker place, yeah, to where probably. maybe he is then positioned to challenge for the world title again and win it in the, in the future. Uh, yeah, uh, totally. I, I think that they've done such an amazing job with Brody and also just like when bringing all those big guys in really delineating them in their own sort of lanes. Right. Like, yes. They're very they separate. Feel yes. Very different. Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know exactly how to explain it. Like he's just, he's, he's scary to watch. And they don't often interact with each other. Like Lance Archer is doing his thing. Brian Cage yeah. is doing his thing. And Brody is doing his thing. The first time any of them interacted, I think, was when the uh, there was going to be the six-man tag with Lance Archer, Brian Cage, and Starks versus Mox and Darby and Will Hobbs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, they've done a good job keeping them separate. So each one feels like a big imposing threat walking around backstage. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you had mentioned here, but package pile driver from Cody through the table on Brody in the middle of a commercial break. Yeah. Talking about what, the, you know, not everything's a perfect story and things can happen at any time. <laughs> but right. it was so cool that they did the replay of that. That was fucking awesome. Brody, like you said here, choking Cody out over the ropes like New Jack. Yeah, in Smoky, in Mountain. Smoky Mountain. That was so sick. Yeah. Just that... ha- like Brody literally hanging Cody over the ropes chain around his neck like cody's a tough fucking guy man like seeing him get hit with his chain and stuff like yeah glutton for punishment and for anyone i don't know like it's hard to argue like i could see people being like annoyed that he has the title again but he definitely earned it like the that match was excellent and he's gonna go if he does the open challenge again which he probably will we're gonna get introduced 
to probably more new people that we become gigantic fans of. And, you know, it's just, yeah, he, he always brings it. Cody, it's cool to see him really consistently putting on excellent matches. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I just love that he has this spotlight and feature on a, a weekly television show. And he, all of them are clearly there to bring it, but like, you know, he always, like that promo he cut with the oh, man. Sc- screaming about the dog collar match uh, the week before. And yeah, you know, honestly, it, if John Moxley didn't, wasn't on the scene, we would be saying all the things about John Moxley about Cody. Like dude, it's his totally. year, like start, started a new fucking company, like first ever TNT champion, like probably the best promo in the game. Just like building up new stars, like he's an absolute fucking legend at this point. Yeah, that's why I feel like Tanahashi would be an interesting answer to the open challenge because Tanahashi is the new Japan ambassador, and Cody, in a lot of ways, is the AEW ambassador in my mind. Out of everyone that is on AEW's roster, like Cody was the first TNT champion. He helped establish and make what AEW is it, and yep. you know more so than people who have obviously pushed it further in different ways, like Moxley and Jericho. Uh, but imagine it was fucking Okada, dude. The coin drop, <laughs> like, like that actually makes the most sense out of all of them because Okada is not spinning his wheels, but he doesn't really have like an active story right now. That Maybe that's know. the story that will happen, though. Like, because he's kind of just going... Th- he seems like he's going through the motions of having a wrestling match in the G1 right now. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe he that's that's sort of the descent that he would take is, like, he takes time away from New Japan to come take the TNT title and he wrestles in AEW for three months. I was thinking about, like, Okada and I was thinking about, like, Steve Austin um, around like 2002 where he's not in the main event. Oh yes. Uh Uh-huh. That's kind of what I was, what I was thinking of. He's like, he's like the best wrestler in the company. Um, and he's like, you know, presided over their, their biggest period ever. And like, he's just like, obviously the guy, but he's not in that spot right now. And it must be tough to not be in that spot when you're like the biggest guy. I think though, probably in sort of the difference though, there. Like, because Stone Cold at that point had that injury. Uh, like, what? I forget what, what injury caused him to stop wrestling. Uh, like, why did he uh, Stone Cold ultimately stop? Do you remember? Uh, did he stop because he didn't want to fight Brock Lesnar? And, I thought and that there was, like, an Raw? injury that he had as well. I might be wrong. I would just remember his last match was WrestleMania X8, right? No, sorry, X, uh, WrestleMania 19. His final match against The Rock. Mm. But like during the invasion, he was back. It was like after he turned heel. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. wasn't, he just wasn't the biggest guy. Even when he fought Rock at 19, it was just the middle of the card. True. I guess that's a good point. But what I was going to say was Okada is someone that is, he is doing what Kenny Omega is doing in AEW, where it's like, right. I am the guy, but I don't need to be the guy right now. I don't, I think it's, I, I would assume that it's probably not so much that he feels uh, like that it's difficult to be to having to take a backseat, but maybe more so that it's like, there are all these other people that we need to establish, so I'm going to throw down this WWF Superstars 
right. match where I'm doing I'm the gonna be back to basics and still beat everybody. Yeah. And kind of yeah. I think um Kevin Kelly said talked about um Tiger Woods changing mm-hmm. his yes. swing. Uh-huh. And that taking some time. Uh, and like him not being quite as good and like rebuilding himself. And I think of Okada a little bit there too. Like what else do I have to accomplish here? I think that's the real feeling. It's like, you've accomplished everything. Uh, What are you going to do now? I do think the move for the new Japan partnership, this is my dream fantasy booking for the next year. COVID gets to the point that it is okay to go to shows again, not in the GCW way, but in the real way where you go to like Madison square garden yeah. Kenny Omega wins the title at Double or Nothing. The end of Double or Nothing 2021, coin drops. Okada Omega feud to Wrestle Dynasty at Madison Square Garden. Dude. And then we see Okada and Omega uh, on national TV feuding Okada Omega, building. Okada for, Omega 5? Yeah, at Madison Square Garden. Dude. Yeah. That would be the best ever first feud for for Kenny Omega for sure. And that's like the one thing I've been thinking about a lot with AEW is the best thing about AEW, like apart from all the opportunities created is that it's a wrestling promotion built on the, on the idea that like, what is the thing that will get the loudest pop from the fans and what will be the fans be most excited to see? Yeah. And almost consistently, that's like what I feel like the mindset is when they're booking these different things. And sometimes it's surprising and we didn't know we wanted to see it, like Eddie Kingston versus Cody, uh, where it turns into someone who's heavily featured and, you know, a lot of people now are huge fans of. And then at other times, it's like what we maybe expect to see, like FTR as tag team champions, and both Um, are good. Uh, And the eventual Bucks FTR showdown that they've been... God damn. That must be so hard to like put on that match and be like with the world of expectations on your shoulder. Like you said, like with something like Cody versus um, Eddie Kingston, there's no expectations at all. Right. So no, like, you, don't, you didn't know you wanted they to do see that is, match. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Dude, have all of the participants been announced yet for the AEW title tournament or is it I, just like six? Uh, Wardlow, Colt Cabana, Kenny Omega, Ray Phoenix, Jungle Boy... Jack Perry, Hangman Page. Okay. That's six. So only six so far. I think it's so cool that the only person who it was in both tournaments uh, so far is Cole Cabana. That's been announced. There's nobody from the uh, TNT title tournament that has been announced for this tournament, which I think is really cool. Just kind of like delineating sort of the mid card and the, and the upper card. It's yeah. It's, it makes it significant in that he, he's, being given opportunities and i think it's a good way to tell stories with individuals that maybe don't have any story a main story to like focus on at the moment it's cool to see like suppose like say colt cabana loses in the first round of this too he could that could build to something with the dark order yeah like hey you lost in the first round of both tournaments now like you really do need us like maybe it'll lead to brody and him being a tag team Brody lost, he lost, and then they both build each other up. Dark Order becomes sort of like a weird... Uh, I mean, I guess it is already a weird cult. Uh, so you yeah. think this is going to build to the obvious Page versus Omega finals? I don't... I guess, yeah. That makes... The, that's the obvious choice, but that is... That makes sense. And looking at the field, I feel like they're the two that... 
I would say carry the most weight in terms of the people who are the going to be a title like singles title holder soonest out of the yeah. list of people that are there now. Ray yes. Phoenix obviously is a wild card, and if they wanted to pull the trigger and give Ray Phoenix a title like the TNT title, which I'm sure he'll have someday, uh, they could go for it. But I don't foresee Ray Phoenix being AEW World Champion anytime soon. I also don't foresee him being in the finals. No, but also like. So does Hangman Page, he wins the... Did he lose it all out last year? Is that where he lost to Jericho? Yes, because he, he fought Pat Pack at full gear. So he lost to Jericho at all out. My prediction is Hangman Page wins, goes on to face Mox at full gear. It keeps Mox and Kenny Omega simmering because I feel like that should be one of the big, big pay-per-view matches. Like double or nothing or all out is what Mox Omega should be. I like that, but I also just like want it to be the omega mox rematch from full gear on sanction match yeah that's kind of what i'm hoping for i i could see it going to adam page and uh omega but i could also see adam page getting eliminated early uh because of the bucks Mm -hmm. yes i that's a that's a good point i've not really thought of that yeah like bucks interfere and then Page loses, and then the finals are like Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy or something. I'm trying to think who hasn't been announced yet that could be in the tournament. So, in the other tournament, TNT was Sean Spears, Cody, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Kip Sabian, um, Dustin Rhodes, Lance Archer, and Cole Cabana. So if we assume that none of those people are going to be in this tournament, do you think that uh, Brian Cage could be in this tournament? Yes. I was trying to think of people who they've done a good job of like of spacing out the features of like featuring different people. And I feel like Eddie Kingston's been substantially featured. So while he would be an interesting addition to the tournament, I think that they'll probably pick some other people who maybe haven't really been given a shot yet, like Kip Sabian uh, or who did you just say? Brian Cage? Kip Sabian was in the TNT tournament. Right, I'm, uh, but I'm saying I think Kip Sabian or Brian Cage are good choices to be in this tournament. Kip Sabian I like, has been given this Miro storyline, so I think having a shot... Oh, could be Miro. I See, I don't think it'll be Miro, because they'll want to, like... he If he... They're not going to want to do... I don't think they would do Miro versus Mox at full gear, right? Or but Miro versus Miro Kenny could be, could be a great finals of the tournament. And then, and then Kenny, Kenny wins. wins. I guess that Tony would not Khan. be the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining that. I, I Yeah, I guess in my mind it's like... What I was going to say was they do a good job of keep, giving people stories, which is what I was going to say is why maybe Miro wouldn't be in it. But to have him featured, they'd have Kip Sabian in it and Miro would come out with him. Yeah, I'm just trying to... I'm trying to imagine that they're not going to book anyone else from the TNT tournament in the AEW title tournament. That makes sense. I, so Miro I'm, versus Kenny Omega in the finals would be absolutely sick. I mean, Fucking yeah. Brian Cage versus Kenny Omega in the finals would also be sick. That would be wild. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, who, who, they might they might put Scorpio Sky in there because they're mm, trying to push him yes. for a singles run. That makes sense to me. Scorpio Sky and Miro. I mean, my dream would be to get Pac in that tournament to rip it up dude pack needs to return i really miss miss seeing him i know man i was we were so ready for death triangle death hexagon 
<laughs> it's cool though because he's only he's had so few matches in AEW that's really when whoever he fights next it's going to be really really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, I can't really think of anyone else that like really comes to mind to feature in this tournament. Uh, I'm going through the roster right now, and I'm like tag team, tag team, tag team, tag team. Like Brody from a singles fought. point of view, yeah, Jericho. Uh, Jer- like Jericho I think Jericho again. would stay away from that though. Like just yeah, no, yeah, probably Eddie Kingston. Once again, he's just got a shot, so probably not. Jake Hager could be in the tournament, but because he's a boring choice. To- but yeah, yeah, a boring choice. Where has uh, Luchasaurus so he- been? I was about to say, man, Luchasaurus would be a great pick to like go into the semis to find yeah. like, Brian Cage and get defeated by Brian Cage. That would be sick. Lucha beats Colt Cabana. Or even a rematch with Wardlow. Oh. I would say Brian Cage beats Wardlow. Lucha beats Cabana. Then then Cage beats Luchasaurus. Goes to the finals. On the other side, Omega beats... Oh, it's not all announced yet. (laughs) Omega beats someone. Ray Phoenix beats someone else. Hangman. Ray Phoenix versus... Yeah. Yeah. Ray Phoenix beats Hangman because of the box. Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega in the semis. Two, like... How how good would those two bangers be? Kenny I think versus Ray and uh, yeah. I think Kate we'll see versus. that because Omega and Phoenix have already had a notable singles match. So oh. like outside of AEW, so I think that we would see they would want to redo not oh, redo okay, it, yeah. but they would want to yeah. you know continue that feud and have another match because they that's an already known like sick match. So uh, I think we'll definitely see Phoenix versus Omega. Maybe they'll be in the opening round. Uh, that that does remind me of something I want to talk about in the G1 of like a match that we've seen before that we got to see again. But before we get into the G1, we're going to go back to round three of the inaugural Torture Racked WWE Draft. I can see the stress already getting back to John's face. <laughs> for some reason, he figures out that this means more to him than he thinks that it should. It does. Who gets the first pick this time? Do you? I get the first pick this time because you got the first pick last time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. All right. For my next pick, I am going to take the tag team of Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Dude, that was my next pick. (laughs) I will allow you to build a Frankenstein a Franken team like them out of two wrestlers. Well, Ricochet was just my singular next pick. So, okay. Uh, But they did tag recently. So I feel like that's a fair, I feel like they even had like a a shitty name. (laughs) All right. My next pick is Mustafa Ali. Oh, damn it. Yeah, that was, that was pretty high up on mine. All right. My next pick is Bobby Lashley. I I thought he would be. I I've been avoiding picking him because I thought you would want him. So, been avoiding picking oh, that's him. So sweet. You're welcome. You really really don't have to do that. Have you? No, you haven't yet. <laughs> I was gonna say our picks are visible. <laughs> are we not? Are do we take the NXT thing off the table? We can just pick NXT people now. Pick anyone you want. Oh, anyone anywhere? No. Anyone on the WWE NXT <laughs> roster. 
within the WWE universe? (laughs) I choose John Moxley. (laughs) Uh, With that in mind, I take Tony Storm. Oh, very nice. They, uh, I watched another mock WWE draft and Tony Storm was also quite high on that one. Very good. All right. I'm going to take Tommaso Ciampa. Have you taken the Street Profits yet? Street Profits. Fuck. I had sort of thought you'd given up on the tag team, so I had them very low on my burner. But God damn it. I did want them. I have no actual tag teams. I actually know I have the Undisputed Era. Although... Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong don't actually fight together. You know what? I'm going to amend that pick. You no, picked it, no. bro. I think the only thing you could add to that is you could take DIY instead of just Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, dude. Done. I'm taking DIY. Call I don't like Johnny Gar- I've, I've, yeah. over the Fuck years, it. grown to dislike... Uh, my fandom of Johnny Gargano has waned, so... I gotta say, he put on a sick, sick match. Uh, at NXT. Oh yeah, we also watched NXT. Should we talk about that at all? We could. I don't really have anything to say about it though. <laughs> I am feeling good about this DIY. Is it my all right, pick? So now? It's my... No, I guess it's my pick because I was the first. Oh, you uh, were, I was... went back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I am going to draft Alexa Bliss. Oh, dude, was another one on my list. That's what's fun about it is like you got to adapt and take people you might not have taken. Yeah, originally. I'm going to take, if I take the New Day, I only could get two of them, right? So I want, I definitely want Big E, and as a tag partner, I'll take Kofi. Yeah, that's the obvious one. Honestly, like, I'm not going to draft Xavier, so you can have him as the I'm just going to have all of the New Day? <laughs> no, he, no, no, he he'll, can be your the valet, but he may not wrestle. Okay. I actually think he would be a great manager. Like, as, like, the mouthpiece of the three of them. It kind of is how it shakes out on social media, I would say. Like, I feel like Xavier is the one that's always hyping up Kofi and Big E. Uh, yeah, I think he's the best talker of the yeah. three, for sure. Big E's good too, though. I don't want to take anything away from Big E. All right, I believe this is the last pick, the 15th it round. Is, yes. Ooh, okay. I am pretty happy about my singles division right now. I got... I think only two tag teams. No, I have three because I have DIY. That's so nice of you to remind me of that. You're welcome. Fucking, I got I got Undisputed Era, DIY. Okay, I think you should let me change it to Bobby Fish because you can draft Roderick Strong if you want. You're probably not going to draft Bobby Fish. You can change it if you want, yeah. I, I actually think it's the I'm getting the less good end of this deal, but I just kind of like the idea of it being an, an actually established tag team. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is... Which is these two. So then I have Undisputed Era, DIY, and... Are those my only tag teams? Yes. Oh, and Rick Shane, Southern Alexander. Oh, and Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. I have a pretty sick tag division, actually. With the with the ability to break up Cesaro, Shinsuke, and Kyle O'Reilly as single... And Johnny Gargano and Tomas Ciampa as all as singles wrestlers. That's pretty fucking sweet. Okay. So as my... Final pick of this round, I am going to take Drew McIntyre. He actually wasn't even on my list. So. <laughs> and Drew is sick. I just, yeah, it's not someone that I 
Uh, Drew's awesome. And like, think about like a uh, Drew versus AJ Styles match. Dude. Drew versus Volter. Yeah. Drew versus Daniel Bryan. Drew versus Cesaro. I feel like out of our two lists, you have the more WWE list for sure. Right. Is Adam Cole still up for grabs? He is. Amazingly. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my 15. After I got to be honest. I think we both did this a little bit. We both like, I was kind of leaving Adam Cole for you. That's nice. I'm still leaving <laughs> someone. I'm still leaving someone for you. I can't believe you haven't picked him yet. Or did you uh, already pick him? Why haven't you picked Sami Zayn yet? It's the it's the, the Kevin Owens thing. It's just like because of how they've booked him. And I, I don't really want Sami Zayn on my roster either. But I'm surprised. Yeah, you I didn't. Picked and him. I also didn't think you were going to pick him very high. But I think also I was going to let you have him if you wanted him. So the Monday Night Warzone brand fifteen: Alistair Black, Rhea Ripley, Pete Dunne, Keith Lee. Andrade and Zelina Vega, Io Shirai, Brock Lesnar, Timothy Thatcher, Samoa Joe, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, Mustafa Ali, Tony Storm, The Street Profits, Big E and Kofi with Xavier as their valet, and Adam Cole, baby. That is a pretty sick... I can't wait to see what matches you put together with that. Yeah, dude, and wait till you see who I got coming in as a free agent. Oh my god, I can't wait. Shotgun Saturday Night. AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Asuka, Valter, Bianca Belair, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, Shayna Baszler, Roman Reigns, The Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, Bobby Lashley, Hashtag DIY, <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, Alexa Bliss and Drew McIntyre. These are some pretty sick rosters. Dude, that's a sick, it's a very stacked roster. Very stacked. Speaking uh, of stacked rosters, are you ready to talk about the G1 nights five through eight? Dude, I have been dying to talk about the G1. Uh, I, we're a little bit behind right now. Like, I think night 12 has just aired. Yes, gonna... I, there's, there, there's eight. No, we're up to night eight. There's five nights we have not watched at the time of recording this. Oh, wow. I think, um, yeah, we should just watch whatever we can watch. In, in the meantime and what like if i get ahead of you it's fine you know absolutely what I mean? yes uh we'll just do what we can do and then we'll we'll see how close to the end of the g1 we can actually talk about the end of the g1 because it would be fun but uh yeah we have quite a few fucking bangers to talk about here so i guess we start with uh night five night five opened up the actual official g1 block opened up with lord tai chi versus yujiro which I think it's an interesting match just in their, like, kind of um, apathetic heel versus apathetic heel. They, I feel like they both have sort of this, like, an air about them and, like, uh, a personality that in some ways aligns and meets. And That's very interesting. I think you've nailed why that's interesting and also why it's not interesting and why it's <laughs> this match. Because they both kind of do... Both blase and kind of, yeah. Yes, they do the same thing. They kind of both do that, like shitty heel i'm gonna walk around the ring i don't need to fight you the air out of the ball yeah as kevin kelly likes to say uh i have said since we started talking about the g1 at least to you multiple times in the chat that it's hard for me to get invested in yujiro's matches just because we all know yujiro is not going to win uh like i feel like his ceiling in new japan is probably like the never belt maybe at most and even then it's like 
Are you going to give the Never Belt to Yujiro over I like Ishii or like Shingo? I Goto? think his ceiling is the the six man the, the Never Belt. That's his ceiling. <laughs> oh, that's a better yes. Right, yes, the six man Never Six Man Belts. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, overall that match, Tai Chi versus Yujiro. Since you didn't watch, we don't have to talk about it too much. It it wasn't the greatest match, but I did did like the clash of like two apathetic heels. A match that I would love to talk a lot about uh, is Suzuki versus Jeff Cobb, which, dude, Jeff Cobb, I felt, like I mentioned a couple times, like he, he last year, I felt like wasn't totally connecting in the way that he has in past matches for me. But this year, I feel like he's doing an excellent job. Uh, and and Kevin Kelly uh, agrees with you, like, wasn't sure if it was nerves or of like being on that kind of big stage or just like he wasn't that into it. But yeah, Jeff Cobb is like one of the stealth MVPs of this tournament. So yeah, like a low-key, like not someone I expected to be constantly thinking of when thinking of outstanding matches. Um, this match... He's becoming I, like someone like a... like Soon he's going to be like a Shingo. We're going to be like, oh shit. Who's like, whoever fights Jeff Cobb is going to be a fun match. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like Shingo, that's how at present moment you and I feel about like Shingo and Ishii. Uh, 100%. Like, whoever fights them, I don't know what it is about their styles, but, like, whoever fights them, it's 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 an interesting matchup. Absolutely. Yeah, and one other match from this night that I think probably my favorite match from this night was Ibushi versus Ishii. It's yes. hard to pick. Like, Ibushi versus Ishii was so good. It's just, Honestly, like... like I watched the the, the next two matches, Ibushi Ishii and Takagi Osprey, just like stunned the entire time. Like being like, if this is the best encapsulation of why I'm into professional wrestling, not just like the wrestling, but also the pageantry, like what everyone was wearing. Like, not to jump ahead, but like Osprey's like single wing jacket. Like his, like, oh, yes. Yeah, his new look is really cool. His yes. new look is incredible. Takagi coming out with the fucking dragon mask. Like, you're just like, this is it. Like, this is what wrestling is. Like, it's the epitome of all these things. But yeah, Abushi versus Ishii, like, that's that's a sick... It's 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 like Abushi's gonna, like, kick down this oak tree. Yes, that, chopping that down the tree throughout the match. Of Tomohiro Ishii, or Tomohiro Ishii tree. <laughs> Dude, you know what I want? I want Ibushi to turn heel and establish his own Ibushi goon. Oh my god. Okay, who's in that? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta fit see, well that's where AEW would help if you could bring someone in from AEW to be on Ibushi Goon. But I don't know, it's hard to think of like who's like a heel that's not in Bullet Club that could be in Ibushi Goon. Can you think of anybody? Dude, I, I you know, I'm not always the best with like factions. Like the factions on well, and everything. I, I guess um, to answer my own question, most of the people that could be in Ibushi Goon are already in a faction themselves. Is is Takahashi in a faction? Hiromu? No, um, Yujiro. Yeah, you, Yujiro's in Bullet Club. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, Bullet Club is so big that I don't know who would be in Ibushi Goon. Uh, Kenny Omega? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean the bar for this the this match Ibushi versus Ishii was so high. Like they've had so many good matches 
in recent memory and there was just such a there's so many different moments where i like dude i cannot believe ibushi can power bomb ishii like yeah i mean ibushi is huge he's jacked but like ibushi's strength and core is like and neck he holds him there's hang cannot be slams him down like it's it's huge it's like almost like a last ride like yeah that shook that shook the earth that's like there needs to be a WWE Battleground style game, like we said, for NJPW, but it's actually like everyone has all their moves and stuff like that. And when Ibushi like power bombs, oh my gosh, there's Ishii, like the like, quick, like the fast, like motion lines, like avalanche. Yeah. I think it like it causes like a crack in the in the earth, like in yes. Kirby Superstar, where you like can crack through the earth, like by dude, chopping. yeah, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> you go down to the next level. Um, man, yeah, the like. Honestly, like when I when I think back on this tournament, if I had to pick the best matches, obviously I think Naito Tanahashi still at the top, but I would put Takagi Osprey Ibushi Ishii like right alongside that. Yeah, well. yeah, and Ibushi wins this match. And at the end of the one thing that one detail I loved at the end of Ibushi Ishii was they both were like being tended to by the medics ringside and the young lions. Like they, it seemed like both of them were actually injured to the point that I like stopped working and was like, Oh, is one of them actually hurt now moving on to and circling back to Shingo versus Osprey. It's cool that you pointed out sort of the pageantry and costumes within this match. And if it was just that alone, it's cool already. Like their themes, each of their themes and their costumes, their presentation is really cool to the point that if this were like, 1990s wwf it's like well i want an action figure of those guys i don't really care what moves they're do. they're just doing kicks and punches strikes those sorts of things and they look cool so i'm all in but totally on top of looking really cool having great entrance music and sort of presentation both completely just bring it in the ring in such different ways like I don't know. Shingo and Osprey both have such diverse and unique move sets, and they have so many different finishers and transitional it's, moves. And it's so weird to that Osprey is like Takagi is he's somewhere between like a hoss and just like a normal wrestler in size, right? Right. Because he's not really a hoss, but he's so fucking strong that he can stand with a hoss like Ishii. I think because they're both kind of short, they seem kind of like evenly matched, maybe. Um, but yeah, he's just such a, such a beast. And then Osprey used to be just the high flyer, but now he's entering beast mode too. Oh, dude. Yeah. His finish, that one fit, the finisher, well, the like kind of penultimate finisher he's been using the hidden blade where he like slices the back of their neck before (laughs) doing the store breaker. (laughs) It looks so painful, man. Osprey, like I was not a good pick for that I chose him as my A block, like not a smart pick from like, like you said, new Japan standards of like having a, um, arc and like a story kind of going into it. But if anyone was going to have a story of just like coming in and just being fucking awesome after being gone for a while, Osprey could make a case for it and sort of transitioning into like the heavyweight domain, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This was, yeah. I remember, I remember, there's a one moment where they hit a, a fucking massive Spanish fly that I just, I came off the couch. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it was just like the last half of this match was just nonstop. Dude, yeah. Shingo hitting an avalanche lariat and then a pumping bomber. And then last of the dragon for the three count, like Shingo wins. 
Shingo, had, Shingo hadn't won very. Uh, was this Shingo's first win? I can't remember his first win, but he has not been. He's not been the standout that we thought he would be, but he did rip it no, up. No, a lot of these guys that we were like, yeah, push them to the top of the card. They are very much staying at the middle of the card for now. Yes, and um, I guess to be standout, I mean standout in terms of wins, not in terms of uh, match quality. Totally, uh, yeah, and it is not exactly opposite, uh, but it is somewhat opposite. Like people who I don't really care about, like Tai Chi, is like, has he had like four wins? He has. Well, and that's the cool thing about New Japan, at least, is that if Tai Chi, Tai Chi is like a like volatile, chaotic person within this kind of tournament where he'll do anything to win because he's a heel and like you would hate like people would hate it if he went on and took the belt from naito and won and it would establish a great heel and it would work better than like evil going on to win it because evil is not as good of a wrestler but i feel like they've already done that with jay white like he already took the title from tanahashi right yes they have yes that's that's true and speaking of jay white the Jay White versus Okada I thought was good. I love the thing that I love about Jay White's matches, and he's done this a couple times now in uh, the G1, and I think he's at his best when he's against people like Okada and Ibushi who force, they have to figure out how to force Jay White to wrestle them in order for them to win, but oftentimes get trapped in Jay White's games and then end up losing, uh, which is what happens to Okada in this match. That's interesting. Because um, Okada just wants to... Okada and Ibushi both just want their opponents to fight them because they're going to win that match. Clean fight, no one's around, just them in a ring with someone. Okada and Ibushi are almost always going to win those singles matches. But whereas someone like Jay White needs like the the sort of chaos around the ring, the crowd to play off of, the area to sort of walk around, as Kevin Kelly says, let the ball, like the air out of the ball... And, you know, Gato interfered in this match, and I feel like he really adds to Jay White's matches, whereas Dick Togo, I feel like, actively makes me dislike evil. I thought, and not in a heel way, either. Like, I, lo- I, I, I love to hate Jay White. I just don't like... I'm not really a fan of evil at all, or and definitely not a fan of Dick Togo. Yeah, evil has definitely... like They, they had a moment there when he was the champion... And they had established him as a top guy. They really had a chance there. I, I've been thinking about this actually a lot. Um, Jay White and Evil. Like a what makes Jay White good and Evil not good <clears throat> at this moment. Because they're they're very similar. And, you know, we've criticized WWE in the past. Especially me. For like taking away all of Sami Zayn's moves. Yes. And making him a... To make him a heel. But Jay White is a good example of someone... I was trying to think of why we never want him to win. And it's because his moveset isn't that cool. Jay White's. Jay White's. Yes. Um, oh, that's interesting. And that's a good argument for a heel having, not having a, cool moves. Having kind of a reduced moveset. Um, yes. Now, I think it's it definitely still works. Like, I think someone like, like people like Osprey and ZSJ can work heel and still do cool moves. Because especially ZSJ is just such a... He's just so brutal and just so mean that... He's like, people aren't going to like cheer him in, in the same way. Yeah. So like you were saying, Shingo has such a great, very move, move set. He has always has such great matches, which is why we want him to win. Go on to like be in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom and like have a banger. Whereas we don't want Jay White to do that. But the difference between Jay White and Evil is Jay White's just a really good fucking wrestler. 
Like, even if he doesn't have the coolest moveset, like, when he hits those, like, sling blades and stuff like that, it, they're just so crisp. And he really seems like, like you said, against Okada, probably he's not going to win in a straight match. But I almost, I would definitely believe it. If there was, like, there doesn't have to be that much interference to make Jay White the winner. Where it seems like it takes a lot of in- interference to make Evil the winner. You have to, like, garrote the guy with, like, a fucking, <laughs> like, a ch- like choke the guy. You know what I mean? You know what the difference is? Is that I think the difference is Jay White and Evil is that Jay White, he is using his sort of, like, snide intelligence to win the match. Whereas it feels just like Evil is, like... I don't know, low low blow him. Make sure you have your Garrett <laughs> so you can strangle. Like, it's like, let's do yeah. anything. It's like a desperate attempt to win at all costs versus someone who is using their sort of pro wrestling intelligence to, like, basically not wrestle and upset and fluster their opponents. It's like, why won't you just sit? Like, why won't you just get in the ring and wrestle me, Jay White? Is yeah. like what Okada is thinking. Whereas Jay White's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to walk around and like flex on the outside and get the totally. huge event crowd to boo me. And, but it just, yeah, it really does feel like Jay White can go though. And he's like, it only takes a little bit of interference. Like it only takes a moment like for Jay White to be able to capitalize. Like you said, because he is smart and like a good tactician. He's like, a, he's like the cerebral assassin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to borrow uh, whereas, a turn of phrase. Yeah, whereas evil is just like, yeah, I don't know. I just i I would never believe in a match that evil could beat Okada. Like never, not in a million years. There would have to be. But, a he, but, but he did beat him, right? Well, that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly. Yujiro, Yujiro interfered. Dick Togo interfered. Gato interfered. Right, and that's just the point. It's just like he could never beat Okada. Whereas Jay White, like on a good day, Okada on a bad day could beat Okada. Like with one moment of interference, you know what I mean? That that's he's he's good. He's really good. He's like Triple H in the Attitude Era. I hated him. He was not as fun as like The Rock and Stone Cold. But I wasn't gonna be like this guy's not good and needs to like have like a hundred low blows to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely it got old so fast and is extremely old now. Uh, evil shtick of being shenanigans. Evil. Yeah, dude. Uh, night six. The opener, your fave, Yoshihashi, faced off against Sonata. What did you think of that match? Dude, this was awesome. Uh, I love Yoshihashi in this tournament as well. Like, he's someone who has the who who basically has the kind of card placement as Takahashi, Yujiro, and just is killing it. Like, he's, he's really bringing in this tournament. Sonata is someone that I had picked to win the B block. Obviously, I'm feeling pretty stupid about that. I don't think you should feel too stupid, though, because of the last night we watched, night eight. No, no, you're right. We don't know where it goes from there. But That's a great uh, point. You're right. I don't want to jump ahead too far. No, and it can always change halfway through. But yeah, this was just like a a nice back and forth between the two of them. Um, Basically, like Sonata's stock lowered a little bit, so Yoshihashi's stock could be... (laughs) be a little bit. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, totally. I I thought it was... I, I really enjoyed it. Same. Yeah. I don't really have too much thoughts on the match apart from the fact that it, it's similar. Another similar sort of matchup. Uh, we had you where I, I kind of 
earlier said Tai Chi versus Yujiro, you have these two sort of blasé, apathetic heels. Yoshihashi versus Sonata, similar. Yoshihashi's not a heel, but I feel like they both carry a similar presence as well, where they seem kind of like blasé and not necessarily the most engaged all the time in terms of facial expressions, but turn right. it up when they need to, which I is the like interesting thing about like, the way they fight. Totally. And I feel uh, like Yoshihashi, after having suffered that injury and like kind of the idea of his career ending has like little, little bit of a fire in him and he's really bringing it in this G1. Dude, absolutely. And speaking of people who are bringing it, Kenta versus ZSJ, if there was ever a match where there were strikes and things like strikes, moves, and instances that I personally would not want to experience as a wrestling fan, the sounds in this match, Man. you know, oh, dude, Kenta, the kicks that he hits on Zach at the beginning of the match, that roll that knock Kent or knock Zach Sabres Jr. out of the ring, and then he's like writhing rings that like he's like really really selling it. Both the way they sound and the way that they're each selling their moves makes it seem like one of the most painful wrestling matches we have watched. Totally, man. Uh, I had written down the surgical kicks of Kenta versus the surgical submissions of Zack Sabre Jr. And I think that's why, again, this is another cool matchup. Similar styles. Like, they find an opening and they work that weakness in the other person. Kenta does it with uh, kicks and, like, really hard strikes. And Sabre does it with, like, wrenching submission holes. Dude, totally. Yeah, I. this is one of the other standout matches for me uh, for the whole tournament, just in terms of just brutal strikes and the energy the two of them brought to the match for each other yeah. just made such such a perfect wrestling match. Uh, this, is, this is the best mid-card in wrestling. Like, because you can, could not pick a... I mean, you could... But it's so hard to pick an MVP in this tournament between, like, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, Shingo, Ishii, all these guys who are probably not going to be the winners of this tournament. Right. Yeah, dude. Like, ZSJ versus Kenta, ZSJ versus Naito. Like, he's Naito, ripping it up. Yeah, Naito man. versus Tanahashi. Tanahashi versus even, like, Yoshihashi. Like, What was the first Ishii match that was amazing on night one? Ishii versus Osprey on night, Dude, on right, night right. three. Chaos Warfare, yeah. Uh, and then also there was another great Ishii match. Ishii versus Suzuki, night yeah. one. Always, Fuck, that, that's an undeniable match. Oh, dude, yeah, that match was sick. Like we said, this this we knew the G1 would reap the benefits. And I think at the very end we should, yeah, like pick our top 10 of the G1. I think that'd be really cool. Be pretty, probably be pretty easy, honestly. Yeah, that'll be a good way to run it down uh, if each of us pick our top 10. I'm sure it'll be yeah. probably similar. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, it was great to see these two against each other. A really cool matchup of people. Yeah, these two are, are, are very also very, like, kind of like... Like, Kenta's very blank. And ZSJ is, like, never worried. That's his yeah, he's not, he ZSJ is expressive, but doesn't give a fuck. Like, expressive, yeah. Yes, and like yells a lot and stuff, but like I guess yeah. I'll put you in this crazy tarantula submission hold, and then scream at you. Uh, I was Tenaha not Tenahashi versus Juice Robinson. What were your thoughts on that? I was not a huge fan of this match. I found it a little bit boring. Honestly, Juice 
is probably the person I'm enjoying the least in this mm. tournament, other than like obviously like Takahashi who we talked about, but Juice, I was expecting a little bit more from him. His matches have not been my favorites. I don't really like his new ring attire. He looks like a very low level mafia guy. I preferred him when he was like <laughs> flamboyant and like supposed weird. to look like the Blues Brothers. That's even worse, honestly. Um, <laughs> Blues Brothers without the the tie and sunglasses and weird, like Blues Brothers when they're just like at home, like in their work theaters, <laughs> just like eating cans of beans. Um, yeah, this. I, I, yeah, I I agree that this was not the most outstanding match. I have been enjoying Juice, but I do also agree with. <laughs> yeah, I prefer. I loved Juice's look at the start of the year, where he looked. Uh, he had like the crazy, like that crazy mustache, and was kind of leaning yeah. into like an early '90s sort of wrestler yeah. aesthetic. Uh, I the the flamboyant Juice Robinson, absolutely is the one that I. I wouldn't bring of. this guy in your time machine with you. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Dude. Yano versus Evil. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Dude, you had, come on. Let's you had on. this. Th- no way. Th- <laughs> this is the brilliance of Yano in a single match, right? Yeah. Honestly, the you idea that admit, Yano, like, the idea that Yano has like eight points versus like all these guys <laughs> that we've been talking about just like makes me furious how incredible dude he he i i am so happy that he hurt dick togo yes no everyone's happy like, about that i don't understand no, i actually how you, thought the i how, thought the look, no the ending no, was, sequence dude the ending sequence was hilarious like d- low blowing both of them like the, there was like a series of low blows and like roll-ups it was really funny i just didn't rate it very highly because it wasn't anything i'd like to see again you know it's funny in this moment dude i rewatched the gif like eight times <laughs> uh, yeah i'd watch it in gif form just not in match form the main event of this night i personally was not the hugest fan of uh and i know you i don't think you were either uh, no this Na- was naito versus goto did not live up to the past matches they've had i would say uh what's up with goto in this tournament dude well i mean not to jump ahead to night eight but i just think they have to tell lots of different stories. And I think the story they're telling with Goto is that the G1 can crumble a wrestler. Right. And he's working hurt and like getting more hurt as he goes along. Like specifically with his match against uh, ZSJ on night eight, it's like a five minute match. ZSJ just wastes him like almost to the point that it seems like he could really be injured. But I just think it's more so the story they're telling on commentary, which is that, uh, the G1 isn't easy, and it's a long, brutal slog. Bro has won, what, two New Japan Cups or two G1 Climaxes? He's got a lot of accolades. I think He's someone that I see get brought up on the internet as, like, people making fun of Naito fans for saying Naito doesn't get what he deserves, whereas, like, a lot of Goto fans feel like Goto... He's got, like, decent accolades, but, like, I don't know. Yeah, he, had, he hasn't... It's not like he's had, like, a long reign as like a substantial champion. I just like not to be triple H, but he's a B plus player. I, I agree. I'm not a B. I'm not, I'm never been big on Goto. I enjoy his matches. And we should definitely been... like go back and find like some of the best Goto matches and kind of, cause I always love it when I can, where like I can crack a wrestler a little bit. Honestly, if I can be a hundred percent honest, that's what happened with me and Naito this year. Like I hadn't watched that many Naito matches. Um, hadn't you know him fighting evil wasn't that 
huge. Him fighting Tanahashi, him fighting Zack Sabre Jr. has been so cool to like get into Naito finally for me. Like I liked him as a as a as a character, but like as really as a wrestler, like really getting into him is happening for yeah. me in this G one. I know what you mean, because I mean there obviously was a time where I didn't even know who Naito was, and then I slowly discovered him through watching New Japan regularly, and that same thing happened with me, where at first I was like, this guy, see, I think I liked him a little more than you did at first, because I, I was just like, this, I like this person's moveset and what they're bringing, but there and was a... Hair. Yeah, yes. There was a... there the the I've talked about the inciting incident that made me a huge fan of his before, but uh, LIJ in the 2018 G1 were the only people prepared for Bullet Club's like heel tactics basically uh and man how are these refs not like wearing like baseball like catchers dude pads true. on their chest in every i'm so tired of seeing red shoes get like knocked <laughs> out by like fucking evil or anyway keep going <laughs> does happen frequently uh to skip ahead a little bit to night seven the opening match never can skip a suzuki match but suzuki versus yujiro it's like Yujiro is not winning that match, obviously, and Suzuki rips him apart, submits him at the end. Uh, solid yeah, it was it was for, fine, short, like yeah, not not my favorite, but it was definitely the right length. The second match of that night, though, for me, I I haven't really talked to you about this match yet. Jeff Cobb versus Ibushi, dude, the chemistry they have, man. Another thing, like when you find out something you didn't know that you wanted. Yes. Like, you didn't know you wanted Jeff Cobb versus Bushi. Now you want, like, five of these matches. Absolutely. Dude, that spot where Ibushi is... I think he's he's either hanging off of the ropes with his hands or his Mm -hmm. legs. But Jeff Cobb swings him into the... Pulls him into the air, catches him in midair, and then does a suplex. Yes. He, like... so many, like, brutal deadlifts. Yes, there's just like moments, yeah, between both of them. And there's just a lot of moments like that that just were like so picture perfectly smooth. And you can imagine Jeff Cobb like ragdolling like Zack Sabre Jr. or like Will Ospreay from a couple years ago or like Hiromu Takahashi, you know, because they're like smaller. But Ibushi's like built. Like he's. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah, he's, he's a big dude. Jacked. He's yeah. he would be heavy. He's a heavy person, and Jeff Cobb's throwing him around the ring like he's just you know a five pound sack of potatoes. Yeah, I love Jeff Cobb's like he's his like kind of junkyard dog energy. Oh, dude, that's a, yeah, like Rhino junkyard dog, dude. That's a yeah. great comparison. Yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, Jeff Cobb, like yeah, loving him in this tournament. So fucking cool. He chains together like four gut wrench suplexes yeah which is like basically like a german but except you're just kind of like hugging him like someone who doesn't know how to hug like around (laughs) the around the chest and stomach like chewbacca's belt and just like suplexing him back like man and abushi's the right guy to take these bumps like around his neck and stuff too because he's got the strongest neck in the biz dude absolutely he must well, act like everyone else does too, because he's always fucking kicking everyone in the neck. <laughs> oh, dude, you were talking. I just want to mention, like, you were talking about all these fucking strikes from the um, Zack Saber Junior. Um, Kenta match. Kenta match. There's one where Kenta 
hits him twice in the neck with a chop and then spins around and hits him a third time in oh, the neck yeah. and he just drops. Uh-huh. And that was when you were saying how it was like some of the stuff you'd never want to take. That's exactly what I thought of. Like some of the most painful looking strikes. Yeah. It's just like seriously the hardest looking strikes. I feel like Kenta has to like, has a lot of like height to make up for with mm. how like he, he really like has knife edge kicks and chops that like you know they sting you can hear them they ring out in the arena like that's his that's got to be his thing to kind of distinguish himself in a roster of people who are like bigger than him yeah anyway sorry to sorry to jump back to that but i just thought of that dude no worries what'd you think of lord taichi versus okada i thought it was you know it was better than i expected it to be because i never really expected taichi match to be that good but Okada and Taichi are actually like pretty evenly matched, um, just in terms of their like size and stuff. But yeah, Taichi's another one of those heels who's the only way he's gonna win is just by like taking some time away. I mean, he's from got Okada. like not, and he has like nine weapons to use, so uh, <laughs> so he's gonna use them all. Yeah, what did you think? I like this match, and I felt the same way. Where uh, I feel like we ha- we have actually seen this match a few times but it was a it was good it was as good as any of the other ones that uh, you know just kind of standard new japan wrestling match between a heel and a face nothing totally outstanding uh the last two matches of this night though switchblade jay white versus will osprey and shingo versus ishii both yeah. totally delivered uh Man. Uh, Switchwade versus Osprey is just a really cool matchup. Again, it's so cool seeing a little bit of a bigger Osprey, like Osprey who might have looked like who who might have been smaller than Jay White is now bigger than Jay White. Yeah, that's a good point. Totally. Um, yeah, Osprey being the the bigger guy in this match, um, but also just like a preeminent high flyer. His Oz cutters are just like the best. Yeah, another person whose moveset is so smooth and kind of the same thing with Okada and Jay White, where Will Ospreay needs to get Jay White to wrestle him in order for Will Ospreay to win. And Jay White, again, kind of uses the same sort of heel tactics where he's kind of evading Ospreay, uh, trying to not play his game because Osprey's moveset is so dominant. And to your point earlier, uh, Jay White just doesn't, Jay White's moveset, like on paper, Jay White's moveset versus Will Osprey's moveset. Will Osprey is the clear winner there. Totally. Even Jay White's, I just realized this, but even Jay White's, like one of his better moves, the sling blade is kind of like a letting the air out of the ball move. Yeah. It like slows things down, immediately stops the conversation. Dude, absolutely. And the main event of this night, Shingo versus Ishii, I knew was going to be sick. And you watched that after Bloodsport, which I'm sure that was... This was the true main event of Bloodsport for me. Yeah. Those two headbutting each other while on their hands and knees was the main event of Bloodsport. Dude, that was so intense and very hard to watch, actually. Uh, Yeah, that, that was hard to watch. But just like starting off with like Shingo in the corner and Ishii is just like raining down... Yeah. Blows on him, just like chops and slaps. Like <laughs> these two absolutely go fucking buck wild on each other. Like, oh my god. There was nothing else that could have made evented this night. I don't think so. No. And this is one of the ones I gave I gave it an A plus. For me, I would say is on the level of uh 
Tanahashi Naito uh, just in a different way. Tanahashi Naito is pro wrestling spectacle. This is just slobber knocker. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I would say that, that those two are the are the best matches of the tourney. Um, yeah. I would say Ishii is in like four of the six best matches of the tournament. Dude, he needs the IC belt at least. I feel like well, Ishii, he's Ishii, out of anyone, Ishii's due for a sick title reign. Looks like it's going to be Sonata. Yeah, jumping ahead kind of to Night 8. Night 8 to me was maybe the most skippable Night 8. Or, sorry, the most skippable Night 8. <laughs> it was the most skippable Night 8 of any Night 8s I've ever seen. If you think of all the Night 8s. But <laughs> uh, Sonata wins, which makes me think he might be doing a reverse Moxley, where Moxley last year at the G1 won the, his first string of matches, then lost the end, all the rest of them. Maybe Sonata's going to go on a winning streak now for, for beat it, from beating Naito. Uh, and, you know, he'll challenge Naito for one of the titles at Wrestle Kingdom. The one thing I will say is that Sonata matches have not been my favorite in this tournament. Same. And yeah. it's deflated my excitement for that mm. as an eventuality. Certainly my, my... better than evil, but I agree with that. To me, the story now is the one that I made up around night two, which is because, or sorry, not the story, but like the most satisfying story would be Tanahashi going on to fight um, Naito in the finals of this tournament, either winning or losing, probably winning and then getting a shot because then they're both at one and one. But even if Naito beat him there and Naito choosing him as his competitor as like the third of their matches to like follow up just because of how good that their initial match was where I'm like, these guys like need to keep like, this is the energy we need at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. It does. I think kind of like Naito is the champion, but there hasn't been a handoff of like the company the same way there was a handoff of like Tanahashi to Okada. Mm-hmm. where Okada finally kind of like after losing in, in the main event, taking it the, like a couple years later. Um, so, or the next year, I can't, I can't quite recall, but yeah. So the idea of, of Tanahashi Naito being the main event, I can't think of a bigger main event than that at the moment. I agree with that. As in terms of a Naito opponent. Yes. I will say, uh, the the only other match to really have anything to say about on this night, uh, Kenta versus Evil, I loved that it really exposed how much better a wrestler Kenta is than Evil. Like, multiple times it felt like Kenta was, was kind of just like, fuck this, you're going to play my game and we're going to wrestle and I'm so much better than you at wrestling. And I don't even really yeah. need to try that hard. And then the... the and, that, you know, yeah, the word exposes is definitely the right word. <laughs> yeah, just there were, there were, I feel like a quick, a few different flurries of moves from Kenta where it's like, yeah, Evil can't do any of that. It's like Kenta was in the corner. He did it like the flying knee. It was like just before he like couldn't quite hit the go to sleep. He did this like fluster of moves. And it's like Evil just always has to resort to the low blow to uh, win. I love, though, that we saw Kenta hit Dick Togo with the uh, briefcase. That was awesome. Great I spot. heard it. It was There was a thud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Kelly made a joke about it being a loaded briefcase. Um, Man, I totally forgot to mention the part in uh, the Jeff Cobb match where he hits like an F 
5,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. As uh, Kevin Kelly called it. That was wild. Just, that was on uh, Ibushi, right? Yep, yeah. Oh, my Lord. That was an, but yeah. I love, I love that Kenta's knee strike is called the Psycho Knee. Dude, it's yes. Like, it's, he's like, he's like M. Bison or something. Kenta is the clear superior wrestler of the three kind of Bullet Club, like, leaders slash standout singles people. Jay White, Kenta, and Evil. So, Jay White is the smartest wrestler of those three. Kenta is the best pure wrestler. Evil is the is most not, successful. Yeah, is the most successful. Oh, and there was something on Rocky on commentary. He's been doing a great job on commentary, especially just speaking from the wrestler's perspective. But uh, he said something to the effect of this is the brilliance of evil where it was like, no, it's, it's like the opposite of that. Like, yeah. Oh yes. He said, this is why he's so successful. He does what he needs to do to win or something like that. It was kind of like excusing all of the interferences and playing up his wrestling abilities, which is a good thing for the commentary to try to do. Yeah. I understand why he has to push that, but it's like, no, it's not. not You've done really shitty with evil. Like, Yeah, he's just a guy named Evil shouldn't be annoying. He should be scary. Yeah, he if he didn't have Dick Togo, I think he would we would think he was I think we he would slot in like Tai Chi where it's like sick, let's see this match and see where it goes. Yeah, I'm a little scared Tai Chi's going to win the tournament, but I I do remember now that a lot of the times when you're winning the first half, they even it out on the second half and there usually is like a surprise kind of emergent from the field. Based on this, what we've seen, nights one to eight, your updated G1 predictions. Who do you think is going to be in the finals now? And who do you think is going to win? Finals for A Block or finals for the G1 in general? I think the winner of A Block, I'm not, it's hard to tell the story they're telling. I think it's either going to be Ibushi or Jay White, maybe Jay White, and they're going to tell the story of who is the true leader of the bullet club. But right now B block, I, I think maybe, I don't, I don't think they would do a Tanahashi J white. So my guess is Ibushi Tanahashi for the finals. Fuck. I guessed, I guessed Tanahashi and Naito for the finals, which makes no sense. Cause they're in the same fucking block. Well, I'm so used to Tana being in the, uh, in the A block. My, yeah, I might have to go with the same for you. Honestly, it's so stupid to bet against Koto Ibushi. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, Jay White, New Japan does love long-term stories and uh, rematches. So Jay White or Ibushi versus Tanahashi, I think is a good. I think, yeah, that could be good would be Jay White versus Tanahashi is just like a straight hero villain finals. I really, I really want to get Tanahashi Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. I really hope Tanahashi wins this tournament. Yeah, the only other person I would say from B-Block, oh, I mean, apart from Toro Yano, uh, is Kenta, as I would say the other most dominant. What about Naito? Well, Naito, yes, but I'm saying someone who's not the champion. Uh, okay, I do think yeah, it yeah. could be Naito, too, yes. But uh, Who do you think, if Naito won, who do you think he would pick as his opponent? Sonata. If Sonata, so I think a story that could happen if Sonata doesn't actually have a winning streak after this win over Okada, Sonata keeps losing. 
Naito says that, well, he has to give him a title shot because he beat him. But uh, I think Naito picking him is kind of like a, he's not, he's he, he is who I was. He's like this tragic figure who can't win and he's not going to beat me. Sort of almost like a civil war within LIJ uh, mentality where it's like, I'm going to win. And then Sonata actually wins. Sick. That's actually a really good story too. All right, let's finish off this fucking draft. All right, who's your pick, bro? I will choose. I'm going to take Bailey. I'm going to take Charlotte. Oh, shit. (laughs) I totally forgot about Charlotte. She's not even on my list. I'm going to take the Usos because I would love to see the Usos fight DIY and fight Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. And yeah. And for, for, for my own reference... After we build our brands, on our next show, we're going to book a pay-per-view, correct? Yeah. The reason I ask is because my next pick is, you're not, you would never think I would guess pick this person, I don't think, but The Undertaker. I mean, he said he could wrestle again, so if Vince wanted him to, or I assume John. I do? He No, he's like, he's like I will wrestle again if Vince wants me to, <laughs> or if John F. Malta drafts me to his brand. <laughs> okay, three choices left. I got my final three. I'm loving just seeing these people who are not going to get drafted, who we will not mention, but just like a lot of the biggest wrestlers in the company, <laughs> <laughs> which just shows like what true fans actually give a shit about versus Very like true. what Vince thinks that we care we about. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. I'm going to take Kevin Owens. All right. I take Shotzi Blackheart. Oh, nice. I knew there were some people I was forgetting and that's one of them. I'm going to take Sami Zayn. All right, that was my second last pick. So I will take... Dude, imagine if I took Elias. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> Not going to happen, bro. Oh, of course. Uh, Kill, K- Killer Cross and Scarlet. Nice. Big plans for my free agent. Who's your final pick? You should pick a free agent also. It should be someone from the indies. I know, but I don't know anybody who is okay. like not on a promotion right now. True. Well, it doesn't have to be then. You could pick someone else. I'm taking Tyler Bate. Sick. Well, my free agent pick, Chris Dickinson. <laughs> You've been teasing it literally all episode. Yep. I'm I got big fool. plans for him. Uh, and Alistair Black and Rhea Ripley. Those are going to be the standout stars on my roster. Can I uh, Can I update my pick, my last pick? Yeah, because I just picked someone that maybe gave you an idea. No, I'm just going to take a Paul Cruz instead. Oh, good call. My roster for Monday Night Warzone, Alistair Black... It's going to be the breakout star along with Rhea Ripley, Pete Dunne, Keith Lee, Andrade and Zelina Vega, Io Shirai, Brock Lesnar, Timothy Thatcher, Samoa Joe, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, Mustafa Ali, Tony Storm, The Street Profits, Biggie and Kofi with Xavier as their valet, Adam Cole, Charlotte, The Undertaker, Shotzi Blackheart, Karrion Cross and Scarlet with my breakout free agent, Chris Dickinson, who is going to be in a very sick WrestleMania match. And... On Shotgun Saturday Night, we have AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Asuka, Valter, Bianca Belair, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, Shayna Baszler, Roman Reigns, The Undisputed Era, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, Bobby Lashley, DIY, Alexa Bliss, Drew McIntyre, Bailey, The Usos, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Apollo Cruz. We'll be back next week with our with our booked pay-per-views. This has been another episode of the Torture Act Podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at 
John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Patreon, on our website, and join the Torture Racked Wolf Pack.